to the DC Debrief for Friday, September 15th, 2023. I'm your host, John Stolness, and coming up, the House is back with talk of government shutdowns, impeachment of President Biden, and infighting among Republicans. Mitt Romney retires, Hunter Biden is indicted, and it was Artificial Intelligence Week on Capitol Hill as tech CEOs descend on DC. AI expert Chris Carr joins me momentarily as we take a deep dive into that this week here on the DC Debrief. But allow me to just jump in here with our quick weekly reminder for you to tell a friend or a family member about the DC Debrief. Let them know what's going on here uh, with this uh, still this new podcast. And uh, we are just looking to bring you the best news about Washington, D.C. The week that was here in the nation's capital without any bias, without any uh, without any opinion from me. Uh, we just want to give you the news so you know what's been going on so you can be informed. And so uh, if, if that sounds like something that you would like something your family members would like, your friends would like, tell them, tell them about the podcast. You can find us over at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is you get your podcasts. All right, with that out of the way, let's get to the debrief for this week. Congress is back. One week after the Senate return, the House is back. The whole family is back at the table getting ready to to, to share a few laughs up on Capitol Hill. And so uh, with the House now in, uh, they've hit the ground running and there's been talk of impeachment proceedings against Joe Biden. Uh, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy announces that they will open an impeachment inquiry into President Biden. Disagreements among House Republicans on spending as they try to avert or members of Congress try to avert a government shutdown. A whole lot more going on and CBN News's congressional correspondent Matt Galka on the work that lies ahead over the next few weeks up on Capitol Hill. Summer is indeed over here on Capitol Hill and it's time to get back to work and Speaker McCarthy's announcement today could be viewed as a way to get some Republicans on board to deal with this month's other big issue, avoiding that potential government shutdown. These are allegations of abuse of power, obstruction and corruption and they warrant further investigation by the House of Representatives. McCarthy called on committee heads to formally start the process of moving toward a potential impeachment vote for President Joe Biden. Republicans have been trying to make the case that Biden used his power as then vice president to influence business deals for his son, Hunter. The American people deserve to know that the public offices are not for sale and that the federal government is not being used to cover up the actions of a politically associated family. While no hard evidence has been produced so far by the House Oversight Committee, Republicans say it could come out in the inquiry. I do expect them uh, to open an inquiry for no other reason but to uh, try to get a little more cooperation in terms of getting the facts. Uh, And uh, if they decide to do that, I'll be supportive. If you're going to impeach a president, you should have an inquiry vote. The Democrats didn't do that. But I think the way to make an inquiry legitimate is to have a vote as to whether or not you should have one at all rather than just the leadership deciding. Speaker McCarthy vowed to call a floor vote if it gets to that point. This is all happening while Congress faces an end-of-month deadline to continue funding the government or face a possible shutdown. Some Republicans want tighter border security and to gash parts of the Justice Department. There's also a debate over whether Ukraine aid should be included in that new funding bill. The Speaker's impeachment inquiry could be a way to mend fences with House Republicans, pushing McCarthy to not give any ground to Democrats. Florida's Matt Gates threatened to call for removing McCarthy, even after the impeachment inquiry announcement. 
I rise today to serve notice. Mr. Speaker, you are out of compliance with the agreement that allowed you to assume this role. The path forward for the House of Representatives is to either bring you into immediate total compliance or remove you pursuant to a motion to vacate the chair. And Gates said he's prepared to call multiple votes if McCarthy and leadership do indeed push for a continuing resolution or a CR, basically a Band-Aid funding bill that would keep government open for the next month and keep those funding debates open. AI week on Capitol Hill. There were a series of hearings in the House and Senate on various aspects of artificial intelligence as lawmakers try to get a handle on how to help tech companies and creators use AI responsibly. Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer invited all 100 members of the Senate to a summit with some of the country's most influential and successful tech CEOs like Meta's Mark Zuckerberg, Microsoft founder Bill Gates, Google CEO Sundar Pichai was there, and X's and Tesla's Elon Musk, just a few of the voices who were telling senators that they really do believe they need some regulation with regards to AI, Elon Musk among them. I think it's clear that there's a strong consensus, a woman, a woman consensus that there should be some AI regulation, okay. that it would be in the best interest of the, the people to do so. Musk was the only one of the CEOs to speak to reporters afterwards and said he does think Congress will put forward legislation at some point, although he doesn't know when or what it will look like. It's important for us to have um, a referee, just as you have a referee in a sports game, uh, or all sports games, and that the games are better for it to ensure that the, those that the, you know, the players play the rules, uh, play fairly. Schumer said the issue before them is massive in scope. This is the hardest thing that I think we have ever undertaken. But we can't be like ostriches and put our head in the sand. Because if we don't step forward, things will be a lot worse. The Senate's top Democrat said CEOs raised their hands when asked if they wanted the government to regulate the growing field of AI, and he was encouraged by that. He also said one of the big keys will be to get a handle on what's called transformational innovation. What is that? The kind of innovation that AI could bring that could do so much good. Bill Gates talked about feeding the hungry. Uh, one of the others talked about curing cancer. Some of the people in the room talked about strengthening our national security and defense. Earlier in the week, the Senate Judiciary Committee held a hearing with other AI experts on potential legislation and oversight. And there were two additional hearings on Thursday, one in the Senate and one in the House. We're going to take a deep dive into this issue with our guest coming up in just a few minutes here on The Debrief. Mitt Romney says no to seconds. Romney announced on Wednesday that he will not seek a second term in the Senate. In a video posted on his social media accounts, Romney explained that it's time for a younger generation of Republicans to take his place. I've spent my last 25 years in public service of one kind or another. At the end of another term, I'd be in my mid-80s. Frankly, it's time for a new generation of leaders. They're the ones that need to make the decisions that will shape the world they will be living in. However, in a meeting with reporters after that video was released, Romney railed at the Donald Trump-inspired wing of his party. I was in a rally where someone said to me, you know, if you're elected, this is when I was running for Senate last time, if, uh, if you're elected, will you close down ABC, NBC, and CBS because they're not sending out the truth? And this was in a Republican rally, and I was like, Really? I mean, there, there's no question. There's no question. There's some portion of, of my party and the opposition party who thinks we need to have a, a strong person, a strong man to, to put aside the Constitution. And the, for that matter, President Trump 
Former President Trump said we should put aside the Constitution and reinstall him as president. And he said there were big differences between what traditional Republicans like him stand for and what the more populist wing of the party believe. Look, I represent a small wing of the party, if you will. I call it the wise wing of the Republican Party. Uh, and I don't believe we're going away. I think ultimately we'll see a resurgence and come back into leadership of the party. Look, uh, my wing of the party talks about policy and about issues that will make a difference to the lives of the American people. The uh, Trump wing of the party uh, talks about resentments of various kind and getting even and, and settling scores and, and revisiting the 2020 election. What are the policies for the future? And my party is only going to be successful getting young people to vote for us if we're talking about the future. Romney still has another year and a half left on his term, although some have speculated perhaps he'd potentially seek to run as president for a third party, although the odds of that seem remote at best. Senate battle over military holds continues. The battle over military promotions and confirmations rolls on with no end in sight, although more Republicans are starting to begin to speak out against Senator Tommy Tuberville's hold on these promotions and confirmations. But Tuberville remains steadfast in his insistence that the Pentagon change their policy on paying for service women to travel out of state for abortions. In a hearing this week, Republican Senator Tom Cotton laying blame at the feet of Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer for this issue. Uh, of course, we voted before on general officer nominations. We voted just a few years ago for Mark Milley to be chairman of the Joint Chiefs. And you may say that's something special, but apparently Chuck Schumer doesn't think it's too special because he has said he's not going to have that vote for CQ Brown. Maybe my Democratic colleagues can go talk to Chuck Schumer, as they're always encouraging us to go talk to Tommy Tuberville. Democratic Senator Tim Kaine of Virginia criticized those kinds of attacks. And the attempt to blame the vacancies in these confirmed positions on Senator Schumer is embarrassing. It's laughable. It's laughable. Now, Senator Cotton, who was the one that raised it, said, oh, but Senator Schumer could call up a vote for the head of the Joint Chiefs of Staff on the floor. That's true. We don't mind voting on people. But the implication is, why not vote on the top brass and just punish all the people below them? House Foreign Affairs Committee Chairman Michael McCall, a Republican, told CNN State of the Union, Senator Tuberville's military holds hurts our national security. This is paralyzing the Department of Defense. You know, the idea that one man in the Senate can hold this up for months. I understand maybe promotions, but nominations is paralyzing the Department of Defense. I think that is a, a national security problem and a national security issue. And I really wish you would reconsider this because we're working this issue out in the National Defense Authorization. The Senate Armed Services Committee has approved 273 promotions that are now stuck on the floor because of Tuberville's hold, according to a Senate aide. The Department of Defense has sent a total of 319 nominations, but the Armed uh, Services Panel still has to act on about 40 of them. Tuberville shook his head no this week when asked if he's willing to negotiate a compromise with Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin or the White House. Tuberville also dismissed the, the idea of voting on the floor for a bill that has been sponsored by uh, Republican Senator Joni Ernst and uh, Republican Senator John Kennedy, which would restrict the Secretary of Defense's ability to provide paid leave and transportation for service members seeking an abortion. Instead, Tuberville wants the Pentagon to simply reverse its policy, do a 180, and then for Congress to vote on the issue. 
What I'm hearing, a couple other hearings I, I wanted to highlight. Uh, SEC Commissioner Gary Gensler testifying before a Senate committee this week, throwing cold water on cryptocurrency. If they were to live up to the investor protection built into their current laws, it would help investors. But right now, unfortunately, there's significant noncompliance, and it's a field which is rife with fraud, abuse, and uh, misconduct. And Republican Senator J.D. Vance was questioning Gensler's agency, saying partisanship there runs rampant. It looks more and more like not an impartial regulatory body protecting investors and consumers, but a regulatory body that it's using its power to silence and immiserate political rivals of the current president of the United States. I have just one final question on that, Chairman Gensler. Have you ever spoken to anyone at the White House about your investigation of Donald Trump's Truth Social? Uh, sir, I don't speak. Yes or no? I don't know, sir. I'm going to answer the question. I don't speak to the White House about anything in our enforcement uh, 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 group or our investigations. Book banning. At a Senate hearing this week on book banning, some Republicans and witnesses in the hearing took the opportunity to read verbatim some of the books they say have sexually explicit material that is written for and made available to children. I'm not going to play any of that audio or any of the readings here on this family-friendly podcast. Republican Senator Mike Lee said it's fair for parents and some educators to want certain books out of schools and libraries, books that contain material that is inappropriate for younger readers. This is not a ban. This is about schools deciding what's appropriate for school children. And sexually explicit, obscene, pornographic material isn't appropriate. And many parents are legitimately concerned about that. Democrat Cory Booker, though, is wary of any restrictions on what books can be found in a library. I am suspect of these books being taken out of libraries and schools because... I started seeing books that had been there not just for years, but for decades, literally generations, 25, 30, 40 year old books on shelves suddenly being taken off. Booker says Congress has no right and no role in whether to ban books from library shelves. Immigration hearings. With the House back in session, immigration once again a topic of much conversation. And CBN News national security correspondent Caitlin Burke with a recap on the border battles at the Capitol this week. During a House Homeland Security Committee hearing, Tim Ballard, a former DHS agent and inspiration of the film Sound of Freedom, testified that failure to secure the border benefits human traffickers. I have personally seen how ports of entry were responsible for helping rescue a child, catch a sexual predator, and start a chain of events that rescued multiple children from his abuse. Ballard also pointed to data from the Health and Human Services Department showing at least 85,000 unaccompanied minors have disappeared after entering the U.S. and being placed in the custody of unvetted sponsors. It's more difficult to, to adopt a cat from a shelter in the United States than it is to go down and take one of these children out of the custody of HHS and claim that I'm the sponsor. Meanwhile, Democrat witness Legal Learned, an ACLU attorney, highlighted the estimated 5,500 children separated from parents under the Trump administration policies. Five years later, there remain hundreds of children who still have not been reunited with their parents because of the failure to document and keep track of the parents and children. We're here investigating what's going on right now. Are y'all going to sue the Biden administration over the 85,000 missing children because of these policies? Myra Cantu, wife of a Border Patrol agent, addressed the trauma experienced daily by her husband and his colleagues in their interactions with migrants. Imagine this 
A child who has just been through a horrible, traumatizing journey may have possibly been raped or tortured by bad people has now gained the trust of a Border Patrol agent. The child decides to vent to this agent and pours out every emotion he or she has been holding back. What was the plan for our agents who would be hearing these stories from the millions of illegal immigrants you and you were crossing. Meanwhile, the White House now faces backlash from some Democratic mayors in cities like New York and Chicago, all struggling to deal with a major influx in migrants over the last year. Just this weekend, New York City Mayor Eric Adams warning that all city agencies could see budgets cut by 15 percent because of the increased cost of the crisis. Hunter Biden indicted. Hunter Biden has been indicted on federal firearms charges. This is the latest in a long-running investigation into the president's son uh, that puts the case on track to a possible high-stakes, high-profile 2024 election season trial. Or, or it's just going to be uh, a lot of uh, a lot of political theater here. And uh, Biden is accused of lying about his drug use when he bought a firearm in October of 2018. Um, this is during a period when we know and he has acknowledged that he was addicted to crack cocaine. The indictment comes weeks after the collapse of a plea deal that would have averted a criminal trial. And the special counsel in this case says that there could be more charges coming, tax charges that were part of the plea deal before. Uh, there could be harsher tax charges uh, levied against uh, Hunter Biden. He could be indicted for that at some point, either in Washington or in California, which is where he lives. Inflation. A new report out Wednesday showed that overall price increases accelerated because of a big increase in gas prices last month. Uh, but the uh, an index that strips out food and fuel prices, which is usually a more volatile um, uh, up and down in terms of prices, shows that inflation climbed at a faster monthly pace than was expected. The CPI, the Consumer Price Index, rose 3.7% in the year through August uh, that was both faster than the 3.2% in July and a little bit faster than the 3.6% that economists had been expecting. When you strip out food and fuel costs, both of which can really move around a lot from month to month, the core price index increased 4.3% from a year ago. Now, that was less uh, than the previous reading of that number, but on a monthly basis, uh, this core measure climbed faster than economists were expecting. Uh, the monthly reading is a big one because this is what economists are looking for to see whether inflation is losing steam or whether it's maintaining its momentum. And based on these numbers, it looks as though it's possible that inflation is not waning like economists had been hoping that it would. Um, we're also seeing because rates have gone up that car insurance is more expensive. Airfares become more costly. It's more costly to buy a home. It's more costly to buy everything now with 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 rates up. But that doesn't mean that the Fed won't raise rates again because again, trying to get that number down to 2%, and now it's heading back in the wrong direction. Economists and investors are closely watching this report and what the Fed will do next. Their next policy meeting is September 19th and 20th. It'll be September 20th next week when they announce what they're going to do next with the rate increases or whether to keep it the same as where it was last month. All right, everybody, that's it for the debrief. And now let's take our deep dive of the week. 
Well, it is Artificial Intelligence Week on Capitol Hill. It seemed as though every other committee hearing was dealing with the issue of AI. So this is also a subject not a lot of us know a whole lot about. So joining me to talk about it and help break down what it is that we saw on Capitol Hill, specifically with the big tech CEOs in the Senate hearing or the Senate summit, I guess is what they were calling it. Chris Carr, he's the CEO of Ferrotech, which is a digital marketing firm in Philadelphia, and he's an AI thought leader, knows this stuff inside and out. No better guy to talk to about this. Chris, thank you for coming on the DC Debrief. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. It's good to talk to you, buddy. And I, I know that you have, you've really been working hard to get your hands around this issue for years now. And artificial intelligence, it's here. It's here to stay. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt about it. And it sounds as though the U.S. Senate has come around to that understanding as well to the point where Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer welcomed, again, I mentioned earlier in the podcast, all of the big tech CEOs to the Senate for this big meeting, a conversation, because he wants to try and understand what role should government play in artificial intelligence? It was called the AI Insights Forum. Can you talk a little bit about some of the key items that stood out for you? None of this was open to the public, but obviously we're getting dribs and drabs of what was discussed after the fact. Yep. Um, you know, I think, I think it was a moment in history. I think that ideally that we're going to look back and say, hopefully this was kind of the Manhattan project of our era that would be looking at it very positively. I'm also, I'm kind of looking at it with two lenses. I'm, I'm optimistic, but I'm also kind of raising an eyebrow as well. Um, these are supposed to be information sessions before they start to talk about regulation. Um, and that's, and that's great, but I also kind of think it's kind of like a dog and pony show because I've been doing AI for nonstop for nearly three years. And I, I don't even feel qualified to, to learn and talk about it. So like teaching this to 65 year old lawmakers is very interesting, but I think you have to have these, these public forums to make it look like, Hey, you know what? We weren't just making random decisions based upon our own, you know, basically our own current knowledge of, of the subject matter. But, you know, if I'm going to learn, am I really going to call 22 different thought leaders in, in a four hour session? Like it's probably not the most, the most efficient way to learn something, but it absolutely looks good. Even when the press isn't there, it's sort of, yeah. it does all the optics. And I guess it's just kind of a first step, right? I mean, this is mm -hmm. Senator Schumer, I imagine knows that something needs to be done, should be done, but it was kind of just a feeling out session, I guess. So you can argue certainly that you can have too many cooks in the kitchen and that might be one of the things mm -hmm. that happened, although we don't know the the depth to which this topic was discussed. In your in your mind, based on what you've heard come out of it, what was some of the good and what was some of the bad? I mean, some of the good is that it's bipartisan and that's what that's what I hope that it remains is, is that, you know what, both sides are kind of need to come together on this because if this gets political, um, we're going to lose a lot of the urgency that is desperately needed to make critical regulation. I'm a pro-regulation guy, but I'm also very leery of the, the, this situation here where you're sort of calling the tech companies that are building the product, coming to lawmakers and basically saying, this is how I want you to regulate us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. it's, it's pretty interesting, you know? So I think that that's some of, some of the good, um, you know, and, and just op, from an optic standpoint, they said to all the, you know, all the tech giants who was welcome to regulation and every single one of them raised their hand. So at least, you know, there is some initial discussion um, that these companies know that they're dealing with something that could easily spiral out of control, you know, if, if they get it wrong. And, and that's yeah. scary, not only for the companies, but it's also scary for mankind. 
we've talked about some of the people who were in attendance, of course, Mark Zuckerberg, Elon Musk, and, and Bill Gates and, and, and others. But mm -hmm. I'm sure there are some folks who were not invited that probably should have been invited. And, and do you have mm -hmm. any sense as to maybe who was not invited to the party who probably should have been? Well, I this is it's closed door. And so here's one of the, the number one problems is, is that I wanted to know who was invited and I tried to get a list and they just kept saying the big five, you know, Elon and Mark Zuckerberg and Bill Gates and, and things like that. But what I did notice is, is that there were not a lot of um, open source guys other than Mark Zuckerberg. And there were not any what I would call people that were are very transparent about the perils of AI. You know, you have Ahmad Mustafi and then, you know, you have um, um, I'm sorry, you have Jeffrey Hinton, who was the godfather of, uh, you know, of AI that left Google. And then you have, you know, Mustafa Suleiman, uh, Mustafa Suleiman. These are people that are tech giants, but they're also very, very transparent about the perils. So it seemed like they cherry picked some of the guys that are going to keep this thing as optimistic as possible. If that makes talk, any sense. It yeah. does. And, and can you talk a little bit more about open source versus closed source? What is the difference between those two? Well, one of the things that's very funny about all of this is, is that I get asked about AI regulation a lot, and there's so many just um, parallels to other arguments that we have that we aren't able to solve. So let's say hypothetically, like the, the argument I'm thinking of is kind of like the gun argument. So in the gun argument in the Second Amendment is basically we have the rights as citizens to own firearms and, and basically develop a militia in case the government becomes too powerful. And in theory, they, if they own all the weaponry, we can't defend ourselves. Well, in this model, if all of the private AI companies, these tech giants own the AI, and AI is literally rocket fuel for technology, if those companies get too powerful, like in theory, who could stop them? And so OpenAI was designed to be an open source company. And these are, these are companies that use AI technology the same way the big players do, but you don't have the same limitations that, you know, that the private companies have. And... These these private companies in the open AI, these open source companies, they're they're very uh, they're very combative in the fact that the the open source companies literally mm -hmm. have all the technology and give it out to the world for free. Yeah. And the private AI companies, that's basically how they make their fortune. So it would seem to me that the open AI guys are at a financial disadvantage that they wouldn't be able to compete that they wouldn't be able to stay afloat if you have these other companies that are using artificial intelligence to make a profit and they're only they're they're selling it to certain groups or certain businesses or certain governments you know that it would there would seem to be a disadvantage there yeah i mean there is there is but like one of the things that we're talking about with regulation is where are they going to regulate are they going to regulate with these private companies that are building the models are they going to mm. regulate at the at the model development level or just how you apply the ai yeah. If they do it at the model level, and one of the main things they're arguing for is transparency, the open source guys are licking their lips because yeah, I'd love to know what data you're using, how you're training it, and things like that, because that's literally the ingredients we need to basically build very similar AI models. Um, and the, the private companies are like, hey, we want to build it how we want to build it. Let's just regulate on how it's used. Mm. And so it gets a little bit scary. Now, one of the things I didn't mention when I talked about open source companies is open source, while it has a lot of the, the ability to give it away for free, it's also from an AI security standpoint, it can, bad, bad actors could actually get one of these free models, take all the guardrails off 
and that is that spells a lot of uh, of of danger for society because you know that's when you can get into how do yeah. I how do I make anthrax? <laughs> right, right. Things and like I think and, and that was one of the questions that Elon Musk got asked by reporters after he left the meeting. And I think mm-hmm. a reporter was trying to be somewhat funny about it, but it, you know, in a serious way, this is something that worries me and worries a lot of people is how do we prevent AI from doing the terminator situation, you know, launching yeah. launching the nuclear weapons against us. And obviously that's a very dramatic way of looking at artificial intelligence, but there are some real dangers about AI and and this reporter asked Elon Musk about like, you know, how do we prevent AI from killing us all? And he gave a very, you know, scientific answer. You know, well, we're talking probabilities and the probability of such and that, 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 that. But the bottom line here is that I think senators and the American people and everybody else wants to make sure that AI doesn't become a weapon against humanity mm-hmm. and that it serves humanity. So I, I imagine that's a lot of where these regulations and where these laws and a lot of where this conversation needs to be directed. Yeah. It's funny too, because like I was saying how a lot of this stuff relates to parallels and, you know, I just le- recently watched the the Oppenheimer movie and there's this thing where it says, what is the chances that this thing is just going to basically eviscerate the entire atmosphere? And Oppenheimer's like very, very small, like, you know, less than 1%. And Matt Damon's character is like, I'd like it to be zero. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If we can get that number down to nothing, that'd be fantastic. I would like it to be zero. Well, rest assured with the AI, the genie is out of the bottle. We definitely press the button here. So now we have to figure out how do you get it to zero? But at the same time, how do you not stifle innovation? Because the easy model is the race competition model that China has been in the AI game for as long as we have. They're very hush-hush about what they're doing. And so if you over-regulate this, um, then you're going to stifle innovation. And if you stifle innovation, you don't want to be, you don't want to come in second place on this race. You just don't. So we're talking, we're talking a little about some of the negative ramifications of AI. I want to double back on that for a second, but just so that we're not scaring everybody, yeah, sure. what are some of the, what are some of the good things that, that you're seeing AI as being used for in ways in which it can be useful and in ways in which it can make our society function better? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just, it's going to revolutionize healthcare for sure. I mean, the, the AI, um, these powerful AI tools are able to just basically synthesize and analyze proteins that would take, I don't know, you know, like months and years, they're doing it in seconds. Mm. You know, they're, they're transforming the way uh, we communicate. They are uh, creating opportunities in, in, um, in technology that there's going to be a tremendous amount of entrepreneurship. Now, on the other hand, there's also going to be some job replacement uh, displacement stuff as well. So there's a lot of just, it's, it's rocket fuel for innovation, but it's also the speed of innovation is the scariest part of this. We've never seen anything grow or, or, or basically multiply like this in, in human history. And so it's a very much fire in a bottle type situation. But, you know, those who play with it understand the power. And when you understand the power, you start to dream big. Last thing for you here then. So if Congress is going to start getting involved and senators, you know, they start wrapping their minds around this and they start working with these with these tech companies and they start working with people who are developing AI, you know, what what kind of a do you get a sense for a kind of a, a timeline on mm-hmm. on when we'll start to see some of these regulations put in place and what some of those regulations might look like? Well, I mean, I think one of the things that you're seeing is is that Europe is a little bit ahead of the game here. The, they. I believe that there's um, 
37 different countries on six continents, all with a draft of regulation right now. But Europe, like usual, they were ahead of us on privacy with GDPR and things like that. They will, they will probably have uh, formalized regulations probably by December of 2023. And I believe that we will have it in, in Q1. The problem here is that, you know, those stories about like lawmakers, they get like an, an 8,000 page document put on their desk and they're supposed to vote on it in the next day. Yeah. You're talking about some of the most complex technology questions ever been asked of human history. And so we're dying for the urgency to be addressed, but the complexity of this is just absolutely crazy. And so the main argument that we have to worry about here is what I call, uh, not what I call, but it's, um, it's, it's when the federal government is basically used to be the watchdog to make sure that the big companies, um, yeah. you know, make it sure that the big companies win and the small companies don't. And so when you rush the regulation, I think that it could easily favor the big companies, um, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean that's generally speaking what happens. It's 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 infrequent that the more regulation you get, the better it is for the little guy, uh, and yeah. the little guys the little guys get eaten up yep. in, in a lot of those cases. Yep. Well, it. I mean, and this is this is obviously going to be with us for a, a really long time, and we're just getting started on on yeah. this whole thing. And I think as Americans, I'm still trying to understand exactly what it is you know you hear about chat chat gpt i mean you hear about mm -hmm. you know people can can make silly pictures you know using artificial intelligence uh you're worried about you know with the election deep fakes and and videos that look like someone is speaking when it's actually they actually never said anything yep. like that i mean these are these are kind of the things that i think most americans think about when they think of ai but it's it's a whole other world out there with ai that we're not that that goes far beyond that isn't it yeah it's 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 almost inexplainable how much faster they'll be able to do things. Um, so that when you think about AI, one of the main things that you're, you're talking about is like a neural net. So a neural net, imagine every company in, in the world or specifically in America will have their own AI. And every person in that company, 50% of the keystrokes that you're doing on a computer are teaching your computer and the computer is teaching the AI. Think about a 200 person company. Every single thing that we're learning is all going into the central database so that your company is getting smarter by every single keystroke. Now multiply that by every company in your city, every city in every state, every state in every country, and every country in the world. Companies like ChatGPT are just learning and compounding at rates that you would never even imagine. It's exciting and scary at the same time. Uh, yeah. And I think that's the, that's the tone and the vibe coming from Congress right now uh, with regard to this issue. And that's why I think you're seeing Senator Schumer and uh, other members of Congress, uh, especially with all these hearings this week, really diving into this issue full bore. Uh, and listen, there's nobody better to uh, to talk about this with than Chris Carr, CEO of Ferrotech, uh, based out of Philadelphia, digital marketing firm there. And uh, Chris, if people want to find out more about AI, more about what you're doing, how do they do that? Mm -hmm. Well, my company, you can go to www.ferrotech.com or hit me up at info at But here's what we do is we, um, we kind of realized very early that AI was basically going to, was going to hit like an asteroid. And a lot of companies are just simply just not prepared for what's coming. And so I offer a, a free one hour course. Um, it's free, not a course, but it's a presentation. I do it over Zoom or I do it in person. And I literally just say, this is where AI is at. This is where it's going, and this is how you can be prepared. Uh, this is kind of a free resource that I do for any company, and I'm doing this presentation maybe 15 to 20 times a month. 
Chris, it's outstanding information. Thank you so much for helping to make all of this clearer for us. We appreciate you coming on the DC Debrief. Thanks a lot. Looking ahead, President Biden will be at the United Nations on Tuesday, delivering a speech before the General Assembly. This is always a very, very big speech filled with uh, foreign policy uh, agendas laid bare, and uh, the president's performance will certainly be closely watched on the national stage. Uh, And then uh, one of the hearings we're keeping an eye on for next week, uh, it's happening on Wednesday. Attorney General Merrick Garland will testify at what will certainly be a contentious House Judiciary hearing on the Department of Justice. It's just an oversight hearing on the U.S. Department of Justice. Uh, And so that is, you can expect some fireworks there with House Republicans going after Merrick Garland, a guy that many of the very conservative House Republicans would like to try and impeach uh, at some point here. Uh, But again, if they're moving forward with an impeachment against Joe Biden, all of a sudden the calls to impeach Mayorkas and uh, and, uh, and Merrick Garland probably fall by the wayside. But uh, those are a couple of big events, and certainly more things will pop up on the calendar uh, as the week draws closer. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for this edition of the DC Debrief. And again, please, just a reminder that if you would like to leave a five-star rating and a review at Apple Podcasts, let me know what you think about the show. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in, and we will talk to you next week right here on the DC Debrief.